Welcome to another episode of Doubtfully Daily Matago, a short podcast, never longer than it needs to be, where I get to discuss whatever happens to be on my mind. And today, data sovereignty is on my mind. A colleague of mine and I have been working together the last couple of weeks on an idea where we will harness the computing power that we have in two of our areas in order to benefit all of the data centers that are currently running across the planet for my employer, well, our employer. Um, as it stands now, we have a lot of little places that are running um, SQL Server and uh, IIS and Windows Server and all this other stuff where it doesn't make sense. We've got these smaller locations, uh, such as in Bolivia or Peru, where there are four or five schools uh, but the amount of money that's being spent on the technology infrastructure is just rid ridiculous. They're not using Amazon, they're not using Azure, they're using self-hosted systems. And unfortunately, this means that there needs to be an IT person nearby in order to actually manage these things. And the downside of this is that a lot of times the people looking after these servers are not necessarily trained in the servers. They, they may know uh, Windows well enough, they may know the basics of technology well enough, but they're, they're experienced, it's just that they're not experts. So this can result in uh, inefficient databases, inefficient queries, inefficient network configurations, things of that sort, which will result in people saying, we need bigger servers, we need bigger um, network ports, we need all kinds of things. So what we've been looking at is leveraging the power that we have in Japan, as well as the power that we have in Germany, and offering these services, offering these servers to other countries where the databases and the services are hosted in these locations, and we make better use of our hardware. Um, the servers here in, uh, well, at both Japan and Germany usually sit idle between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. There's almost nothing happening on the servers at that particular time. Now, for the LMS that I've been developing, nighttime is when it goes and does a bunch of other things. But at the same time, it's also doing pretty much nothing. So we've got all of this computing power just sitting around for eight hours a day doing nothing or doing little maintenance tasks. So it's great that we actually have such a large maintenance window every single day. A lot of organizations are not this lucky. Um, but it's also unfortunate because we've spent a lot of money on this hardware and it's not being utilized completely. Whereas other countries such as uh, Thailand, Malaysia and whatnot, they also have to go and spend money, not as much as we have, but they need to spend money on this equipment as well. And it would make much more sense if they would just use our systems. Now, the downside of this is data sovereignty. So a lot of countries in the world are introducing rules and introducing laws where data of or for its citizens cannot leave that country. And these are in theory and in some cases in practice, like wonderful rules because they make a lot of sense. They protect people, uh, well, potentially protect people, and they make um, technology companies a little more liable for what they do with data. And this is really, really important because a lot of times technology companies just run rampant uh, without a care in the world about what they do with people's data, and that needs to stop. So looking at the data sovereignty idea, 
um, we need to make sure that if we do pitch this idea, if we do go forward with it, we need to abide by all of the rules and regulations that are going to exist in all of the different areas. Now, luckily, data sovereignty is not too big in Asia. It is in China, um, but it's not yet law in Japan. It does not, as far as I know, exist in Thailand or Malaysia or a bunch of other places. So this might work even for a couple of years. It may be a, a feasible um, solution to save organizations a bunch of money and maybe earn a little bit of money locally as these other nations provide a little bit of um, a, a service fee, so to speak, to help us pay for our systems. So that's some of the things that I've been thinking about. But I've also been thinking about how this works with 10C, because data sovereignty is relatively important. Um, this is one of the reasons why I created my own service, because I wanted to own my data. I wanted to have that. But at the same time, other people who are using 10C, I'm responsible for keeping their data safe. Other people own the data that they put on the service. That is completely theirs. Um, they can do with it as they choose. But it's my responsibility to make sure that that stuff stays safe. And what I'm thinking is... Right now, the data currently exists only in the U.S. because the EC2 instances where 10C is hosted are on the west coast of America. And I'm wondering how difficult it would be to shard this so that people are, who are in uh, Europe will have their data only hosted in Europe. People who are in North America will have their data only hosted in North America, that kind of thing. And at the end of the day, that's too complex for this kind of service. I don't think it would make logical sense at this point. Um, to go down that route. But in addition to data sovereignty is something else which is very similar to it, um, in that people need to be able to control their data, um, the right to be forgotten. So the right to be forgotten is incredibly important to me. Um, and that is built right into the core parts of 10C. So if somebody wanted to delete a post or delete um, a bunch of posts or heck, delete their entire account, no problem. You can go and do that, and your data is um, completely scrubbed from the system relatively quickly. When you press delete, all of your posts, uh, whether it's social posts, blog posts, podcasts, um, to-dos, like all of that stuff just vanishes. There's no record of it existing in the database aside from missing index keys. Um, and even if I were to look at the missing index keys and say, oh, ID number 555 is not in the database anymore, I wouldn't be able to say who had that. Now, there are a bunch of questions that might come up. It's like, well, what about backups? Because I make a lot of backups, and that's true. I do make a lot of backups. But the way the backups for 10C work, um, the data for 10C is never, uh, never exists for more than seven days after somebody deletes a particular record. Every day there are backups that are made, and they're downloaded. Um, when they're downloaded to one of my local servers, then they're extracted. Automatically, they're extracted, tested, put into a database to make sure that the backup operates, that backup properly functions. If it doesn't, a new one's requested, all that other fun stuff. Um, but these cycle every seven days. And the way that works is I've got the backup, which is basically 10C-SUN for Sunday, dash M-O-N, T-U-E, like that kind of thing. So this way, there is a constant cycle and old data is overwritten. So this way, 
that kind of thing is, or, or that kind of situation is protected against. I, I don't have to worry too much, and other people don't have to worry too much. When data is deleted, I can't bring it back. And it's not my right to bring it back. Um, my responsibility as the service provider is to provide the service, not to mine data, not to do all this other fun stuff. So what this also means is that if somebody were to delete a record, like delete a post or things of that sort, and ask for it back, I would need to know relatively quickly in order to get it back. And after seven days, if anybody asked me, I'd have to say, I'm sorry, you'd have to check the Internet Archive. Maybe it's on there, but it's not on any of my systems. And this, for me, is very, very important. Um, because, like I said, the data, I, I don't own the data. I own my data, but I don't own your data. I don't own anybody's in information. I, I am the service provider, nothing more. So that's how that works. And when it comes to auditing, this is built into the API now as part of one of uh, this year's updates. I actually have an audit trail which shows the data being recorded, um, or pardon me, uh, not recorded, but being it shows a record of the data being deleted, including um, the number of records that were deleted. So I don't have the exact IDs, but I do keep track. Like uh, It might say uh, Jason deleted five social posts, something of that sort. But I would be able to say that these records were deleted, and then I could look and see that something has changed in the database. There are new missing indexes. So that's one thing that I'm doing. Um, and without get, getting too far ahead of myself, I should also say there are a few things that are not deleted. So um, one of the things that is not deleted are PayPal transactions. So anytime somebody were to send money through PayPal, that remains. And that information includes your name, it includes a transaction ID from PayPal. It includes whatever email address was provided to PayPal. It includes the date of the transaction plus the amount of money. That I cannot delete due to uh, the Japanese Sarbanes-Oxley rules, uh, JSOCs, um, as well as accounting rules, because I do have to report that income on my end-of-year income tax. And if the Japanese government ever comes to me and says, can you show me the, uh, where this money comes from, and how it all works, then I'd be able to show them the accounting records, um, which is recorded in 10C as well as in PayPal, and then say, this is where the data comes from, these are all the people, and these are the transactions. That information I cannot delete um, for seven years. Interestingly enough, the accounting rules in Japan are almost exactly the same as they are in um, North America, so Canada and the US. I have to maintain records for seven years. And considering how few financial transactions I actually have with 10C, I can't see me ever deleting any record ever, um, even if it's 20 years old, because it's good to be able to go back and say, oh, look at that, 20 years ago my revenue was X, this year it's Y, that kind of thing. Um, if somebody really doesn't want, it, want me to have that information, then I'll have to check the legality. I might be able to... Like, um, cross out somebody's name, like replace the names with asterisks or something of that sort, but I cannot get rid of the PayPal transaction ID or the amount of money that was brought in because I have to keep that stuff for seven years. So yeah, data sovereignty, very important to me. Um, it's something that I think about a lot. It's something that I, I try to take very, very seriously, both at the day job in a professional sense as well as with, a, with, with my hobbies, which is 10C, which I would love to make 
professional, but it's just not going to get there anytime soon. So with all of this in mind, um, yeah, when things are deleted from 10C, it's gone because that's part of the right to be forgotten. And it doesn't exist only for people who are in Europe. It exists for anybody who uses the service because your data is your data. It's not my place to say what you can and cannot do with the data that you put on my service. So if anybody's ever worried about that, by all means, you can talk to me um, on 10C or via email, and I can answer any questions that you might have. But very important, and I really hope that as we go forward, more technology companies have a similar attitude. We shouldn't be giving away our data. We should be always in control of the data that we offer to these other companies, and we should be able to revoke it when we decide to revoke it.